Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is IT. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is oh fucking official. All right, stop playing. Download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. My next guest once said, quote, I feel like the expressionistic part of music, like how you say the craziest thoughts, feelings, and emotions inside of you, put it all over instruments, put it out, and then you find there are that fe- uh, then you find there are people that are feeling exactly the same way you do, end quote. And I do actually believe this is the perfect mindset to have when approaching art. His latest album is called Long Time No See, he's Khan, and I want to welcome him to Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Monaco. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. Thank you, thank you. So, you know, I... I was obviously listening to a bunch of your music prior to this and, you know, reading as much as I could. And I think what's amazing about your music is that you consciously attempt to talk about as many topics as you can. And you also 100%. rhyme over was a bunch of different music samples or whatever as you, you know, you can. And it comes off very heartfelt. Uh, so I was actually surprised when you kind of, I think I was like listening to an interview you did and you talked about how you, you don't really think about the the lyrics or the the emotion over the lyrics they just kind of come out very authentic to you um what so so that that being said sorry it's a very long way of asking what were you what were you very what were you listening to as a kid that kind of helped shape your mindset in terms of how you approach your art to be honest i was i was listening to everything but to be more specific in terms of like rap albums that kind of like uh when i was a kid that made me really just get extremely interested and obsessed with just the art form of rap and hip hop and the whole culture. Um, like All Eyes on Me by Tupac, Easy es first album, uh, Ready to Die by Biggie Smalls, you know, like just the classic albums, you know, Jay's first album, mm-hmm. Nas's first album. Like it's just a lot of classic albums because it, at the time I wasn't, uh, you know, I was young. The internet wasn't as, it was a big thing, but it wasn't as big. It was still MySpace right. when I was a kid. Nice. So, yeah, so it was It was still a lot of the, it was a lot of the older, uh, I guess you want to say golden era styles that were still very popular back then. Nice. I remember I also, I know you didn't mention them, but I, you, you didn't, I know you, I think you, once we talked about your first album, you talked about you also, 
uh, grew up listening to Big Pun, Big Al, and OC. Yeah, absolutely. Like all the golden era stuff, all of it. It was it was all consumed at like a really high volume uh, on my end. Just because, like I said back then, it wasn't there. Were, there was guys doing mainstream stuff. Like you had Ludacris, and you had like you know that kind of shit when like the South was coming up, and they were doing really mainstream records. But it wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't know anybody listening to a ton of melodic rap. It wasn't a whole lot of the stuff that's going on now. Mm-hmm. It was really just like a lot of the golden era stuff was really what we were listening to. I want to ask you about. I, I want to ask you about OC because you know I, I've had him on the podcast and you know prior to interviewing OC, I interviewed Buck Wild and you kind of asked him a bunch of stuff about OC and you know the common conversation or the common words that were used to describe OC was like he's a genius. When you were listening to OC as a kid, was that something that crossed your mind and then you kind of more appreciate it as you get older or kind of did you really understand, did you see the, I guess the, or did you feel like, did you see that the geniusness behind OC right away? I think the only person, OC is amazing, but I think the only person I really saw the genius in and got it was Tupac mm, yeah. because of just the way the lyrics were delivered and they were written. I got that. Everyone else, it just sounded super cool to me. It just sounded like, really, this is dope. I really like this. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it's perfect. It's like the reason I start this podcast is because, you know, as a kid, you're hearing all these, you know, artists growing up and you know they're important, but you don't really know why, but you're obviously not gravitating because you're you're seeing the nuances a lot of what they're doing right yeah at 12 years old you have no idea what a lot of these guys are even talking about right. you know what i mean when i when i'm listening to capital punishment at 11 you know i, I have no idea what he's talking about I, it just sounds cool right. it just sounds good right. there was a there was this rock when i was a kid there was this rock song that uh the lyric is i went to a party on a saturday live i didn't get laid i got in a fight and as 11 year old i thought she was like crazy cool progressive because she was talking about getting laid off of work Right, like, no, that's no. Awesome. She didn't get laid off at work that day. <laughs> she was not referring to work. Exactly. I realized that earlier, and then I also realized why my mom got mad at me when I said the lyric. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you're a kid, you definitely want to hide that that stuff from your parents, unless your parents are cool with it. Mine weren't. I talk about it. Speaking of you as a kid, you you know you you talked about in interviews how you you feel like there's a lot of introspective artistic kids out there, and that you they have these uh, talents that. And insecurity that they're able to to bring out through their music. Were you that type of kid as a kid? I mean, did you? And how did you? And if you were, how did you find this art form to be the one to kind of push your, you know, your talents to the roof? Um, I, def- I definitely was. I was more of a definitely an introspective kid. Very, definitely shy, very laid back. You know, not not very talkative. I, I started with drawing. You know, it was like just drawing pictures. Um, I didn't start rapping until I was like around 21, 22. Uh, I used to freestyle a lot, but I never recorded or I didn't write a rap until I was almost 21. Oh, wow. Yeah. What made you decide to, I guess, start writing, put you know, pen to paper and get into? Uh, I, at, at that point, I had, I was started listening to like Wiz Khalifa and Currency and Mac Miller and Big Crit a lot. Those guys, they were, they were really big at the time. And, uh, I just wanted to try something because it was just the monotony of like going to work, getting up, going to work, you know, going to community college and just switching up the monotony of that. I, I, I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, looking back, I definitely needed something to kind of break up the, the boring routine that I had. You know, in your art, you and in your lyrics, you 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 refer a lot, I think, to you, you do something clever in your lyrics where you don't necessarily talk about the power of the pen, but you say lyrics that show you the power of the pen. I don't know if that makes sense. 
right now, no, I'm following. Um, and I think on the track "Real," which you know you dropped a few years ago, and I would hopefully I don't screw up your lyrics, but you, you know you said the power I possess is in my pen is unequivocally the sentences I formulate inspire my, my misery. Literally, uh, literally terrified when I die, no one will remember me. The only thought I have is inside me is to is leave a legacy. And you know you wrote that in your twenties, and that just says a lot about where you, I think, you, where you were, but also how powerful you can be with your lyrics. Uh, can you just take me back to when you wrote the, that song and kind of what was going on that made you kind of put that put that to paper? I wrote so many that at this point. Um, I can't remember specifically what that was. I just remember back then, uh, constantly feeling like uh, I didn't, I didn't have an outlet. I didn't have a voice that I wasn't being heard. You know what I mean? I was, I didn't, I was working dead end jobs or you know just doing a lot of stuff that you know a lot of people in their in their early twenties I feel like do. You know what I mean? You feel like you need to you know try and get money and you want to try to get established and you try out school and you do all these different avenues and none of that stuff was working for me. It wasn't. It wasn't helping me to feel fulfilled or helping me feel like I had a purpose. And I think once I found rap and I was, you know, you start rapping at 20, 21, 22, that's pretty late in the game. So it was kind of like at that time when I first started, it was just like me getting all these emotions and thoughts out that I had never said to anyone, you know, stuff that I kept bottled up. So it was just like a there was a sense of urgency to like. I need to get all this stuff out. I need to do this at a high volume at a fast pace and and just attempt to be heard. Mm. Uh, and and you obviously, you know, um, has a, a discography to show for it, but also you have a list of producers that you've worked with or even have had sessions with that. And and I want to ask you about the Dr. Dre session because what, what's fascinating to me is that I can't write uh, rhyme for it to save my life. But you've had these like amazing, you talked about having this session with Dr. Dre and how you guys did stuff together, but stuff wouldn't be released. Um, so for you, what is what was the big lesson taken away uh, having these sessions with Dr. Dre and kind of what have you you, you taken away from uh, those sessions to use for your, your studio, your future studio sessions and even on this new album? Um, what I learned was just a different way of recording. You know what I mean? I was exposed to different styles of recording that I had never been exposed to. And I saw different kind of tricks, you know what I mean? When it comes to recording, um, so to speak, that was about it. The mostly, it was just an affirmation kind of experience for me, you know what I mean? To, to just continue to, to let me know that it's one of those things where you have moments along the way, whatever path you're on, I feel like where you, you get an affirmation. It's like, you are doing the right thing, you know? Um, that's mostly what I took away from it. It wasn't outside of just a technical aspect of recording and a new way to write songs. That that was about it. Mostly it was just an affirmation. Mm. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, Ari the Rugged Man because I know I was looking at your Twitter's handle and Ari tweeted out about how you sent him a beat and now he has to get on it. Uh, yeah, yeah. What was it about for you for Ari that you wanted to kind of collab with him on a on a on a song together? I want to say I, I I dropped him in an interview and maybe he saw it and you know I said his name in an interview one time and he saw it but he had reached out to me I don't know, a little bit like two years ago to do something and we just you know the timing was never right and I finally had something uh, that I felt good about so I, I sent it to him uh, hopefully he sends <laughs> hopefully he sends the verse back I haven't gotten it back yet, but hopefully <laughs> hopefully I get that verse so, um, you know it's also impressive I think about you is that you aren't afraid to. To change your flow and your pace in your music you know you 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 go to slow pace you go to fast pace uh and you mix it up in between is that something that you've always had in you or is that something that you've kind of started to develop as you've gotten more comfortable with your craft 
it's always it's something I always wanted to do, but it's something that definitely I, I didn't start trying and, or, you know, attempting to do until I was, you know, more seasoned with the craft. Um, you know, early on, it was like just fast, super fast raps because I was like I said, I, I had a lot of thoughts and emotions and feelings. I was trying to get out and I was trying to say a million things at the same time. You know what I mean? But the older I've gotten and the, the longer I've done this, you know, I, I don't just listen to rap. So, you know, it's it's. It's logical to think that, you know, if you're not just listening to rap all day, you know, you're going to try other stuff. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. I'm going to turn to the new album, uh, Long Time No See. Uh, the opening track, uh, you know, has a lot of the lyrics, but this has some, you know, powerful lyrics. And one that kind of stood out was the quote when you say, Break out of the box that they put me in constantly, and just that line. Um, you know, what is it about the, a metaphorical box that people have? Do you feel that people f- have this need to put artists into a box i mean why do you think yeah what, what, what is it for their comfort level that has to be like all right we got to put con in a certain box before we can do anything i don't think it's like a, i don't think it's like a conscious decision people make i think it's just a, a taste thing you know they really enjoy one certain style and one thing from you and they they want that over and over again but you know there's no longevity in doing the same thing over and over again from the from a business standpoint and then from an artistic standpoint you know you grow you know i'm not i'm not 21 22 trying to find myself anymore you know i'm i'm, I'm 30 years old you know i have a good idea of who i am and, and what i want to do and the direction i'm going in life uh the track hard to tell could you kind of i don't have a i, I so can you just take me into like the creative process behind this track and kind of how that uh the studio session happened but also what's the significance of that particular title for you 
Um, the we called it hard to tell because initially we used uh, the same sample nauseas mm-hmm. um, on it ain't hard to tell. So that was just where it came from. It wasn't too deep. The sessions are, are pretty much always the same. I just I record myself. You know, if I don't make the beat, uh, that that track and that whole album was produced by my friend Blair from Oklahoma City. Um, but all of, all of the sessions are the same. I, I write by myself. I like to I like to be in a room by myself and just really think think things through that's awesome uh you know it's it's i mentioned in the intro that you could truly rhyme over anything and <laughs> that really came to mind when uh, on the track uh where you been uh because what was happening was that this phone kept on ringing and i kept on thinking it was my phone and it was kind of no, dr- no, no. driving me out of my mind for a minute but then i was like wait he's rhyming over this what was that decision in terms of like i'm going to have this not you know have this phone underneath me while i'm actually rhyming parts of the song that was that was something Bleb put in the beat. That was something Bleb did. You know, a lot of a lot of decisions. I think when a lot of records, you know, all the stuff on there isn't intentional. Some of it's just kind of like really beautiful mistakes, or mm. even just like you know, beautiful coincidences. And um, that's just an example of that. It wasn't like I, I decided to put a you know, give me a give me a ringtone over over this beat. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just you know that was what he felt when he made the beat. He sent it, and then I just I rapped over it. I'm not when I'm writing. I'm not really hearing. The majority of these instruments, you know, I'm hearing like the, the I'm, I'm listening for my tone. I'm listening for my flows. I'm thinking about my cadences, my wordplay. You know, am I going to tell a story? You know, I'm not I'm not to be honest, when I'm listening to beats as I'm writing, I'm not really listening to, to all the instruments in the beat. Mm, nice. I mean, I like I like that beautiful mistake because I think a lot of it is. Um you do talk to artists and they're like, no, like, you know, there's a sixth sense that we have sometimes when it's going on. It's like a perfect. No, 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 that's, 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 uh, that's, that's a fallacy. It's, there's, there's so much of it that, that you don't control. You know what I mean? You control it to a certain extent, but there is, there's so much that is just like, oh, well, that's what it is. All right, leave it. You know right. what I mean? You got, you got hit records that don't even get fully mixed, right, you know? Right. So it's, nah. Um, you know, I think what I really, uh, really enjoyed uh, about prepping for this particular interview with you is that you really whoever's listening to your album really needs to take the time to even go to genius.com and actually look at the lyrics that you're you're spitting because they're going to miss a lot if they don't and i think one of my favorite moments on the album is uh one of my favorite verses on the album is from the record momentum and i'll try not to destroy too much so i'll just say a few lines from it uh <laughs> Uh, but it starts with not to mention we ran out of patience I was praying daily for a pretty penny and a newer pension uh, when the rent is due no they don't do extensions it's a difficult delicate situation I've been meditating trying to elevate above it uh, and then I won't destroy the rest but I think there's kind of a great powerful lyrics but also very beautiful lyrics as well uh, can you just kind of take me into kind of breaking down some of these lyrics for us and get a and and what do you want us to kind of walk away from this 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 particular piece it's funny because this is the first album that i ever wrote the lyrics and had it sent in and someone you know uploaded them to to you know genius uh the website every other everything else i i've never written the lyrics out it's you know it's people kind of transcribing it as they as they go you know what i mean um so i've always just tried to overall i've always just I felt like people are going to come to their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted to put the lyrics out. You know what I mean? If, it's like you said, I, I feel like I make music where you have to come back to it and you have to really try to engulf it in a hole. You know what I mean? I'm not. So 
you know, people don't really, you know, ly- older lyrics past this album, no one really knows what I'm saying <laughs> because I never, I never posted the lyrics. Um, but that, that lyric is just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's pretty self-explanatory. You know, it's like just, I think the whole song, that song momentum is just me trying to figure out a way to continue to keep doing this, to make it, you know, to be honest, to make it profitable, you know, because it's a business and you have to eat. And it's just, you know, trying to find the the will and the drive to continue to go, you know, when it doesn't look like things are going so well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Speaking of the business, is there stuff that has kind of surprised you in terms of how the business of the music business works or stuff that or have you think you've been able to prepare yourself enough to to, you know, not get, quote unquote, screwed over by, you know, any record industry or execs? Um, I think. The information's out there for everyone, you know what I mean? If you're if you're thirsty to to, to you know make a bunch of money and, and do this and do that. If you're if your goal is if your goal is to be famous or if your goal is to be rich, then you can end up in some weird situations, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, you can be kind of blinded by your ambition. But for the most part, now you know, all of this stuff is common knowledge. You know, you can go on the internet and see what kind of deals people are getting, you know, you can go on the internet and see what, you know, what the splits are for streams and all that. It's it, the internet has really made it all pretty much self explanatory. And if you have if you have any kind of common sense, you know, you can kind of go on that. You can just look on the internet and see, mm-hmm. you know, it's true. Uh, on the track, God, uh, you spit, I overcame every obstacle, told him it wasn't a mountain I couldn't climb. Uh, what for you so far, what has been kind of the biggest obstacle to overcome uh, just as, as an artist? Um, just my, my own, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would just say my own mind, you know, um, I record all this stuff by myself. So I'm in here alone a lot of the time. Um, so it's just overcoming that, that the negative thoughts, the negativity that just we all have in our mind, you know, that little bit of doubt that we all feel. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm not I'm not really worried about outside influences or other people's opinions on what I do. Um, it's just mainly myself. So, so you mentioned you do record on your own. So who's who, who do you I guess, who do you? do you have a sounding board that you go to or who do you, how do you, how do you know, I guess, how do you know when, like, how did you know this, this album was done? Um, I, I know it by the time I'm done writing it, you know, and, uh, I've always been, I, I looked up to like Wayne and, you know, Wayne, when he was putting out all that stuff, I like Gucci man, when he was putting out everything, I like the way Tupac had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of records by the time he died, you know, I always like that. So, for the most part, I'm gonna whenever I get something I like, I'm going to spend, you know, as much time as I can to perfect it and I'm gonna put it out, you know. I'm not big on holding on to stuff. I don't I don't think that art that that's the point of art. Mm, nice. Uh the final track of the album is uh, building and uh, the word you leave us with is cold blood and I ain't got no feelings, hard to tell the motherfuckers I'm working, grinding, stacking, <laughs> better yet building. Uh what is our what do you what do you want the listener to kinda take away from this track and then also why leave us with building as the final track? Um it's I, I felt like it was a perfect end to the album where it's just continue it's me talking about, you know, I'm I'm still working, I'm still at it, you know, there's still progress being made. I think a lot of times when you have artists that put out a bunch of music, people, and you know, you put out a bunch of music and, and then, you know, maybe people had expectations that you were, you would get to, you know, a certain level. Well, you know, it, it doesn't always work out like that, but that doesn't mean that that artist is falling off. That doesn't mean that that artist has lost a step, you know, and that's kind of what that song represents. It's like, you know, I may not, 
I may not be where, you know, you thought I would be years ago when you first heard, you know, a song where I was rapping a million miles an hour. But, you know, there's still there's still building going on. It's still a process going on. There's still progress being made every day. Uh, it's my final question, Con. I appreciate your time on this. Um, is there a, uh, a lyric out there that you've written or even it could be for this album that kind of has you saying like kind of like your oh shit, I can't believe I wrote that lyric moment, you know, like, damn, I'm good. Um. I, I had that when I listen back to, you know, like anything I record, to be honest, you know, it's not I don't I don't listen to the old stuff. So once it's out, I don't I don't go back to it. I don't listen to it. It's kind of, you know, it's out there now. It's like a, it's that's a piece of me that's, you know, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done with that now in terms of like what I, it's just new stuff. You know, I constantly surprise myself. You know, I'm I'm producing, uh, you know, I'm producing a lot of albums for myself now. And that in itself is very surprising. I'm recording myself in that. Because I didn't start that way, you know, I just started writing over, you know, YouTube beats and older beats. So the fact that I'm producing my stuff now, recording it, putting it out, you know, I have a whole studio. Um, that's that's surprising and that's motivating enough for me. Does that actually change your approach to producing your stuff and recording it? Does it also change your approach to writing as well? Oh, it definitely has. It definitely has. I'm not uh, I'm not as into it's not, you know, a, a slight against anyone else, but I'm. I'm, I definitely have, uh, you know, the few people that I enjoy working with that, you know, they send me stuff. My friend Blev, perfect example of someone that sends me something and I'm always into it. I always want to rap over it. But for the most part, no, I can't. I don't I don't even you know, I don't like going to studio sessions. I like, you know, I like making the beat myself. I like making the, the idea myself. I'm kind of tapped into that world now of just being involved in every aspect of the song as opposed to just the raps. Uh, new album is Long Time No See. Uh, the artist is Khan. Incredible artist, incredible album. Khan, uh, thank you so much for being on Library Rap, the Hip Hop Davies with Tim Monticello. I greatly appreciate your time. Oh, man, I appreciate it as well, bro. Thank you so much, man. Same, I still remain. My middle finger high for you and whoever that came with you. Still smoking like I got four lungs. It'll take several lifetimes for you to do what I done. To make it out the bottom of the map, the place that I'm from. The crab in the barrel mentality gonna lead straight to your demise. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.